Hello for the King listeners. I am not your host, Rocky Ramsey. My name is Will Drzymski, a brother in Christ and friend of Rocky's whom he has generously invited onto the show in order to verbally showcase my artwork to you in 50 seconds. As an artist, I strive to accurately reflect the glory of God in everything that I paint, and through that process, I hope to flood as much of the earth as possible with paintings which accurately proclaim the undeniable fact that Jesus is Lord and the creation which he made commands us to worship him. So if you would like to join with me in distributing clean, refreshing artwork showcasing the creativity of the God who made us, I would be overjoyed to have your help. I run my own website called Reflected Works, where I showcase the artwork I've done in the past, sell original paintings and prints, and take requests for unique commissions. Once again, that's reflectedworks.com, all one word, and I'm looking forward to helping you further the kingdom of God right now here on this earth by putting some of your free wall space to productive use. Thank you very much for your kind attention, and now enjoy the show. Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Friends, welcome to the For the King Podcast. I am your host, Rocky Ramsey, and on the For the King Podcast, we declare the edicts of the king, namely and chiefly that Yahweh reigns. I am joined this episode with Samuel Bornman. Bornman, sorry, I want to make sure I enunciate that. Bornman. And he is the author, author of the book of Wizards and Warriors. It's on Amazon. You can go pick up a copy. So that's what we'll be discussing this episode, that book. So Samuel, how you doing? And introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about yourself and uh, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm glad to be on this podcast. Thank you very much for hosting me, Rocky. Um, So as Rocky just said, I'm a new author of my first book. I'm really excited to get it out there. Um, And uh, other than writing books, I live an interesting life. as a missionary to the Tatamara uh, Native American people group in the mountains of Mexico. Um, and I'm also a seminary student preparing to uh, continue my father's ministry among the Tatamara people as a pastor in the mountains of Mexico. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know you were in seminary. That's cool. What What is the seminary? So seminary San Pablo. Uh, it's San Pablo Theological Seminary there in Juarez, Mexico. Um Okay. And I'm in my senior year. So that's awesome. So it's just an MDiv program. It is actually a bachelor's degree and then I will be going on for my masters. Okay. Okay, cool. What what do not what affiliation is that? Like is there a denomination it's affiliated with or Yes, the denomination is called the Mexican Presbyterian Church. Oh. All right, that's cool. That's cool. So m- most of Mexico is Catholic, but you you're ministering to what kind of culture? So it's an animistic uh, culture. Uh, they believe in uh, everything having a spiritual cause. Um, 
including sickness, uh, uh, why your crops don't grow. Um, so we're dealing with a subsistence farming culture. Um, mm -hmm. These people have are, are growing their own food. They are the first or second generation to own horses to work in harness. They've used mm -hmm. them as pack animals, but uh, it's only the second first or second generation to wow. use harness. Um, so they, they, uh, they're a little bit behind the times, um, but <laughs> only because they live so remote. Um, yeah. And it's definitely not a God, godly culture, not a good, mm. healthy culture. It's very yeah. pagan. Yeah. Well, praise God. You guys are there ministering to those people. So thank you for that work, extending the borders of the kingdom. So in the midst of all that, Samuel, you found some time to write a book. So tell us a tell, tell us some background on, you know, what got you into wanting to write stories. You know, what what led up to this book? Give us give us maybe a little bit of highlight or uh, you know the the story of your life that led to this story. So maybe give us a little bit of that, and then we can move more into explicitly the book. Sure. So uh, my parents started me off in homeschool. From a very early age, they taught me the ABCs all the way. You know, I was homeschooled all the way through high school. Um, mm. So in our home, we made books a priority, uh, reading stories together as a family, bedtime stories. Uh, my dad would tell us scary bear stories, just <laughs> stuff that had happened throughout the day turned into stories uh -huh. for for the, for our teddy bears and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and that, that I would say leads to a desire to tell your own story, enjoy a good story. And when you read an author who has, who, who's, who's successful and has written a good story, it's well done, it's enjoyable. You get to the end of it and you're like, wow, that was, that was good. That was, that was amazing. And then yeah. you read some of the other books that aren't as, as good, and you say, "Well, I could have written a better ending." Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't like that ending. And so, after my dad heard me complain about the endings of several books for a while, he said, "Well, why don't you just write your own book?" He, yeah. he, he was annoyed that I was like <laughs> complaining about how these authors ended their books. He's just like, "Yeah, write your own book." Yeah, um, makes sense. And so, I started writing my first stories when I was about oh. 12 or 13 years old, I started writing, writing stories, uh, just mm -hmm. making stuff up, writing it down on pieces of paper. And um, I wrote a lot of stuff that I'd be embarrassed to have people read now. <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, but I, I, now I'm here. I am, you know, 23, got my first book published, a whole bunch of ideas uh, for other books to publish some other writings that, with a little bit of work, I could either turn into a, a collection of short stories or another book. So, yeah. And, and writing is just something I love. It just comes out. I never really had to deal with writer's block. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Where do, where do you find time in the midst of it? Is it more, do you wake up early in the mornings and get some writing in? Do you do it in the evening? When, when do you find time to do it? Uh, so in between stuff. Um, honestly, a lot of it happens. Like I got 
five minutes before we head somewhere, I'd just sit down and like read through the last page of what I wrote the day before or the week before. Mm -hmm. And then I edit as I go and that gets me into, gets my creative juices flowing and I get into the flow and I just write the next part. It just comes naturally. Um, Yeah. Or Sunday afternoons. Um, I really like Sunday afternoons for writing stories. And then, of course, there's those nights where you sit down at 8 o'clock to start to do a little bit of work before you go to bed. And then uh, it's all of a sudden your dad's coming out of his bedroom saying, hey, it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you doing still up? <laughs> <laughs> go to bed already. <laughs> yeah. We got yeah. stuff to do tomorrow. That's funny. Yeah, that, that's cool. That makes sense. Uh, I, I'm i trying to work on the, the skill of writing. So I've recently been attempting to. So that's I appreciate you sharing kind of when you find time. I think Sunday afternoons, that's a, that's a good thought, you know, on the Sabbath. If, if it's, it's, it is very restful to sit there and write, you know. Um, and so if it's something you enjoy. To, yeah, exactly. That's good. I'm growing to enjoy it. <laughs> I got to work on it. You know, it doesn't come as naturally to me as, uh, you know, it does you. Okay, awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, appreciate that, Samuel. Um, moving on to the book of Wizards and Warriors, let's let's discuss your your first installment of the the world of Enya. Um, mm-hmm. What what was your goal with this book, and what are some of the like? So, what's what's your overarching goal, and then uh, underneath that, what are some highlights that help aid you getting to that goal? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I started out intending to write a fun kids book, you know, just a little adventure story. Um, you know, these kids get into a little bit of trouble. They have this fun adventure. Everybody goes home. Everything's mm-hmm. nice, happy, and dandy. But I was writing it in, you know, I wrote my first my I wrote my first draft two months in the summer of 2022. And I was still thinking a lot about all the stuff that happened in uh, since March of 2020 with uh-huh. all the medical tyranny and the masking and vaccines and also thoughts of the infanticide that goes on in the America, in America. And, um, all that stuff kind of worked its way into the story and it became much more about writing about ethics um, and morality Mm. and getting people to think about what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. Um, Transhumanism. Is that good or is that bad? Yeah. Uh, And, and, and and what's, what's a, what, what is appropriate and where's the boundaries? Um, Yeah. So, that's 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 what the that's 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 the goal is to get people thinking about things that they might find uncomfortable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. You can continue. Oh, I was gonna go. I was saying that some of the highlights along the way of things that I was exploring was biblical gender roles and fantasy, transhumanism, following God in terrible situations. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, and, and resistance to evil. Yeah, that's good. I I think one of, I agree, one of the highlights was that transhumanist 
um, idea being presented in the book and the, the scene where Calculo, it's a little, it's a very short chapter more in the middle of the book, but Calculo mm-hmm. is, you know, basically <laughs> like <laughs> cookie, cookie cutter kind of attaching parts of various non-human things, you know, to a human, um, mm-hmm. very sadistic and kind of morbid that chapter. I thought it was very well written yeah. because at the end of it, I was like, you know, kind of, had had a visceral response to it, you know. That's kind of nasty and kind of I don't like that. What I just kind of read, but you 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 made it like that, which I, I'm you. That was your effect that you wanted, I'm guessing. But um, yeah, yeah, very well written. Yeah, by the time I was done with that chapter, I felt like I needed to go wash my hands and brush my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the guy who wrote it, so yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was that was a, definitely a highlight and well written in terms of like the effect it had on the reader for sure. Uh, that's great. Um, what inspired some of the characters? Did you uh, base, yeah. you know, base any characters off of anything? And, and you know, specific? yeah. So Dalian, the bad, uh, uh, treacherous female character. Yeah, he, uh, she was inspired by radical feminists. Uh, uh-huh. She just, she's just, you know, she dresses like a, she dresses kind of masculine. She doesn't dress feminine. She hangs out with this group of young boys and is kind of a negative, all kind of negative and nasty and harsh and loud. Uh, and I, I intentionally wrote her that way because that's that's not how women are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and then Zeph the wizard, he's inspired by Moses, Elijah, um, uh, Gandalf, and Merlin. I mean, yeah, the, the old sage character, classic. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he has what I also was exploring a little bit those themes of magic, mm-hmm. um, because what is what is magic and what is authority given by God, and I specifically mentioned that authority part in the book because um, God gives His servants authority over certain things, yeah, and to paganize or to the eyes of someone who doesn't understand what's going on, it looks like magic or it could yeah. look like magic. And so I was, I was also kind of exploring that thing of theme of what's the difference between what, why is Zeph a good wizard and why is Calculo a bad wizard? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that that is a huge discussion that needs to be, fleshed out more in Christian circles um, because uh, maybe just tell me what you think about this. The, the way I kind of think about it, when we see in the book of Acts, what the apostles were doing by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, even Simon, the sorcerer an evil sorcerer who was getting his authority per se from wicked forces of evil. He wanted the kind of magic that the Holy Spirit was producing, but the Holy Spirit, like you're saying, that kind of authority is ordered and well-meaning, restores mankind. You know, sorcery dismembers mankind, tears it apart. It's usually a, a tool to rule over others. You don't see Zeph trying to rule over others' magic. But you do see, um, you know, Kakuo trying to yeah. rule over others with his magic, you know. So it's I like I like you tying magic because it is power in a sense to authority because you need the right authority wielding the kind of magic so we see that definitely in the scriptures and i think christians need to explore that more even with things like pharmacia drugs modern day magic like 
you know, cell phones, what we're doing right now, internet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a lot of enlightenment thinkers, they they saw magic and electricity tied together. It was just, we are going about it in a more physical way with the same effect while telekinesis, like right now, what we're doing is sending information over a long, you know, a long uh, distance and you can hear me. Similar thing with, telekinesis you know um yeah we're doing it through a physical means and and those that have telekinetic powers are doing it through a more non-physical means so i don't know if you have anything there you wanted to pick out or how that tied into the story but i think it did i think you were exploring that for sure yeah and i would say that i've felt i have met some resistance with the fact that my book is so magical and fantastical Uh in some circles they seem to think that maybe I'm some sort of really weird Christian guy who thinks that (laughs) some magic's okay and some magic's bad. Uh And yeah, you're right. There, there needs, I think there needs to be a discussion about this, which is, which is why I wrote about it in the book because I've had conversations with people about, Oh, well, all magic's bad. Well, what, what do you, what did most people call what Jesus did? Miracles. They were kind of magical. I mean, but exactly. why were they why were they so effective and magical? Well, because it was God stepping outside of the normal means of his activities and doing things in a very spectacular manner for his glory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think that's the way we should view it. Um it's not really him. You know, he, he's he, he does do magical things all the time. So, yeah, I, I think those kind of pietistic Christians that are like, oh, you know, like, you know, the scriptures condemns necromancy and, and sorcery. I agree. It does. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not, I, you know, when I yeah. read a story like yours, I'm not, I don't think I'm sinning by reading you have good magic in the story. I think that's just naturally in the scriptures and you're representing the good magic as coming from the light and not the dark, which is, that is where good magic comes from. So, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, what's your favorite part of the story? What What did you really enjoy? Uh, so my favorite part of the story would have to be uh, the the battle that finally destroys Calculo's army and forces. Uh-huh. So, you know, the three days and three nights of battling after the light is temporarily defeated by the Dark Eternals. Yeah. Um, and and then he he rises up from among the field of the dead and conquers all all the foes. Yeah. And then all the dead, or well, not all the dead, but most of the dead rise with him and ascend the victor's staircase up to up to heaven. Yeah. And that that part I wrote it, and it made me cry to write it. And I still get shivers when I read it, even though I've read it I don't know how many times in the editing. It's just. For me, that's my favorite part. The yeah. second favorite part would be when the light appears to stout right before the battle. And yeah. it's it's definitely inspired by the the you know, when Joshua meets the angel of the Lord before mm-hmm. the battle with Jericho. Um that 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 that, that inspired that that scene. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful too. You you put in that motif of victory through defeat in a sense um the unassuming victory and the trust that needs to happen the trust trust in the lord that he will bring victory you know so that's awesome 
Um, any other thoughts there? No, I, I think that's all. Yeah. So why did you pick the name Stout? Exactly. I like it. You know, Stout. That's exactly so, what he was. He was that. Um, it's kind. Of, it's kind of John Bunyan esque. Like you just named him what he is. You know. Yeah. That that was that was that was actually part of the thought because I mean I've read Paul Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress and that was you know I, I enjoyed it so uh, that theme of naming your character what they are um, yeah I, I I I did that with Stout because he but I wanted him to kind of grow into it a little bit he did right? yeah because at the start and and I could have emphasized it more now looking back. But at the start, you know, he's a little bit rash. He's not stable and steady. He's a little bit rash. And he gets a little whiny and he gets a little bit of bad attitude. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, he's just steady, confident, uh, obeys the light. Yeah. It's just this strong stout character yeah um and honestly when i yeah when i first when i first wrote my first draft i put the name stout in there because i wanted to remind myself think about a name that sounds like a stout strong character yeah it was just a placeholder at first but then i just couldn't think of a better name (laughs) so i mean that that almost sounds as if i wasn't doing my job but it's just like the name seemed to fit. It just yeah. It was very um, very unique word. I don't you don't see that word tossed around a whole lot anymore. So I I like it. It was very original. I thought very original mm-hmm. to name him Stout. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. I any other yeah. I guess I I really enjoyed just some of those big motifs you explored in the book. Light versus dark. You know, good versus evil. I make that, that that's what makes a story good. And you tapped into that and, and did it in your own unique way, which was good. I really appreciated that. Um, it was cool to see Stout develop. And, you know, once he had trained with um, Octavius, Octavian, Octavian, Octavian. <laughs> not Octavius, okay. yeah, Octavian. Um, yeah, he, he was basically a full grown man and was ready to, you know, go on his adventure to slay the beast and get the girl, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that, um, and uh, Octavian's character was very, I liked him, very masculine character. Um, yeah, so I, I appreciate the book. It was very, very good. Do you have any other big thoughts about the book? Um, Why should people get your book? Why should people get it and purchase it? I think people should get it and purchase it to inspire young children to stand up to to the evils that we see in our world today. Yeah. Um, because children are really in children and young adults are influenced by what they read, what they put in their minds. And if you give them stories about slaying dragons, going out and conquering and defeating evil and doing what is good, what is right, that will affect their lives. Yeah. Um, and I think that much of modern books, even modern fantasy books, things like how to train your dragon, the hero, I uh, may skewer some sacred cows, but the hero is kind of wimpy. He's 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 yeah. he's not a strong character. He's not he does he he's always the he's the loser. He's the one who gets bullied, and 
it's just fine to kind of coast through life. The message it sends to kids is it's okay to coast through life, getting bullied and beat up and uh, everybody else is going to be successful. And the, um, the, the people, the the person people like, and you're just kind of going to be this background character Mm -hmm. and you should just accept that and be okay with it. And you'll find happiness that way, which, which isn't a story about winning. It's a story about being okay with losing. Yeah. Um, and we definitely want young Christian warriors who will be growing up and conquering this world for Christ, because mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's what Christ said to the apostles before he left, go and make disciples. And that's, that's not an easy job. We need to, we need to give kids inspiration. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've found inspiration from C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, just for everyday kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've been pouring over those over those books since I was eight years old. So, yeah. I think I think people should get my book because people, young kids, need to hear more of this kind of stuff. More, more, more. How to go out and slay the dragon? Yeah. That's good, brother. Amen. Yeah, I I have it. It's now on my bookshelf, and I'm trying to assemble a library for my children as well. And this will definitely be a one, I think, when my boy's about, you know, 13, 14, 15, that kind of age. I mean, this is a story I'm putting in his hands, and he's going to be reading it. So um, hopefully that encourages you that I, I agree with you. I think that this it would be a very formative story for a young man. I think it would be very, it would be very good. So, yeah, I do. I do recommend the book. If you are listening, please get, purchase yourself a copy and, you know, reading it as an adult, uh, it's not going to have the same effect as a child reading it. I think it's going to they're going to really be able to connect with the characters in a unique way that an adult reading it may not be able to. I really did enjoy the book, but it, it would be phenomenal for a young man um, and, or a young woman as well. I think it, it's mm-hmm. good for young ladies also to read and see what a good masculine figure their age might look like, you know, Um so yeah, Samuel, I thought it was very, very well done. Um, and yes, please purchase a copy and I'll, I'll make sure to have a, um, a link in the notes of the podcast. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, Samuel, what exactly did you um, enjoy about the writing process and what are some tips or some advice you'd give to aspiring writers, people that want to write more, that want to fill the world with good stories? Because like you said, most of the stories now are awful and trash. They're not good stories. Yeah. So yeah. what's some encouragement you went ahead to you know, le- let, put yourself out there, put in the hard work and produced a good, high quality Christian story for young people. What's some encouragement or some encouraging thoughts you would like to maybe leave the audience with uh, that we get more of this kind of stuff coming out of Christendom? Yeah, I think something that really, really made it easy for me and took the stress out of writing Christian books is not thinking about it as writing, I am going to write a Christian book. This has to be doctrinally sound. This has to be perfect. This has to communicate the gospel in its fullness. That's stressful if you're trying to just write a fun story. And so I would say have fun. Enjoy the writing process. You know, throw in some goofy characters, throw in some demonic characters, whatever. Have fun. And... Think about it as right as let your Christianity affect your writing, not control your writing. Yeah. Um, so I think of it as I am a Christian who writes books. I'm not writing Christian books. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. So it, it, it's, it's freeing, but it also does carry a burden with it because yeah. you're not going to write you're not going to write stuff that doesn't promote good values. Yeah. Because you're letting, but 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 you also have the freedom to just have fun. Yeah. Well, so I would say one of the biggest things is just simply have fun. Yeah. Um, and and enjoy what you write. Mm-hmm. And have a reason for what you write. Because if you don't have a reason for, for writing this, if this is just a fun pastime, it doesn't matter if you publish it. Right? If this is just fun for you, if this is just entertaining for you, um, you might as well watch a movie. Um, because you're not doing no. anything productive. If if but like my father used to say to me before I actually put in the hard work to finish a book and publish it. He used to say, are you writing or are you just having fun? Right? Are you entertaining yourself or are you working? Yeah. Um, because he wanted me to work. He wanted me to be productive. Um, and if this was just entertaining, well, that's great. That's fine. It's a pretty healthy form of entertainment. But I could also be turning this into something productive that I enjoy yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And finding a source of accountability. I had a really great accountability group. Um, I joined a uh, an online business association group uh, to help people get their own businesses started. And they held me accountable each week. What have you gotten done? Yeah. That was what. And they, and they would say, okay, in this class, make these goals. Tell us what your goals are. Then at the end of the week, I had to tell the accountability group what goals I had met or why I hadn't met a certain goal. Yeah. Um, and so that, that that really, really motivates you uh, to get stuff done because, well, partly you want to look good in front of everybody, but uh, also yeah. it's just, it just feels good to actually get stuff done. Yeah. And find constructive criticism because my dad would tell me when I'd written trash and (laughs) he would tell me when I'd written something worthwhile. Um, Like for years he'd been telling me now I really, uh, it's a kind of fun story, but uh, it's not really worth putting the work into it to, to get it published. No, don't publish this one, write something else. He read this one through and he said, wow, this has the potential to be something better than just the rough draft it is. So he, that that really encouraged me because he spent all this time saying, no, no, no. Honestly, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't being dishonest. He wasn't trying to discourage me. Yeah. But his honest criticism, when he finally told me that I'd done something good, something worth working on, that also motivated me to say, oh, maybe this really is good. Maybe this yeah, really can awesome. be sold. Um, and <laughs> be aware, beware of death by editing. Yeah. Because that kills a lot of books. Um, yeah. People edit and they edit and they edit and they edit for 20 years. And then the book doesn't get published. We, I, I know someone who has a book that they've been working on. And the guy has plenty of material but he just keeps perfecting this and perfecting that 
and mm. tweaking this and tweaking that. And it's so sad because the information he has could be really beneficial. And he's, I understand wanting to do a perfect job. I mean, my book's not perfect. I wish it was. But I know the mistakes and not everybody who reads it will know the mistakes because I'm the one who wrote it. But if you, I'm not saying, you know, put out a book on Amazon that makes everybody talk about those self-published books on Amazon. Yeah. But, but don't kill your story with editing. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big mistake. Yeah. That's good. Those are really helpful things. Yeah. I really appreciate that. So yeah, if you're listening and you enjoy writing, that is some very good advice from Samuel. So thank you for that. Uh, I guess last question. I'm just curious myself. Um, what do you like to read? What's uh, what's some of your favorite authors, favorite books? You can just, um, you yeah. don't have to, I guess, rank them or anything. Just give me some of your favorites, you know. Sure. C.S. Lewis, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, Lewis Lamore, uh, Mark Twain, uh, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, oh, Jules Verne, and, uh, oh, guy who wrote Tarzan. Um, he's most famous for Tarzan, but I prefer his uh, space series books. Uh, John Carter of Mars. Um, uh, Tarzan is very... The, the Tarzan books are very racist. Um, okay. I don't like them. But for some reason, I don't know if he wrote them later in life or not, but the guy who wrote Tarzan later, I think it was later, wrote John Carter of Mars and uh, some other... Uh, some other books in that series. And if anything, they're anti-racist. Um, so it's like a 360. Um, huh. it's, it's kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's but uh, yeah. So those are some people I like, but uh, as if, if anyone reads my book, they'll know that I really like the Bible. Um, and I've read the yeah. Bible a lot and they will probably pick up on some themes that were some stories of places where I got stuff in, yeah. in, in the Bible, um, from, from my book. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, well, I hope that was informative guys. Uh, again, though, there will be a link down in the show notes for Samuel's book. Samuel, do you have a website or a way people can keep up with what you're writing or a blog or something? I do not currently. Um, I'm working on that. Okay. But I do not currently. <laughs> I, I got my book published and I said, I'll do that stuff later. <laughs> cool. Well, you can always just keep up on Amazon. I'm sure if you publish another book, it'll be under obviously the same name and everything. So yeah. you guys can keep up that way. Keep your eye, eye peeled for more um, of the tales of Enya. So, and yeah. the next books are coming out. Um, I'm working on one. I'm working on the next Great. one. Uh, it's like 150 years later, so no Stout and okay. Sally, sadly, but uh, uh, some other characters will be coming up. Okay. Do you have an estimated time, you think, uh, like by the end of the year, by the end, middle of next year? What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know. I'm just getting started. So just getting started. you have to give me some time. <laughs> give me some time. All right. All right. I'll give you some time. But I'll be I'll be texting from, I'll be, I'll be sending you emails. Hey, I almost Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Keep yeah, me accountable. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I always end with the doxology in 1 Timothy 117. The King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria.